Welcome back. The Fantasy Fallout Podcast is here once again to give everybody all the advice that they would ever need for fantasy football. We, of course, are going to be going over the end of the fantasy football season, talk a little bit about our rankings, what we got right, what we did not, talk about the booms and the busts on the season, players that are emerging, players that might be going a little bit on a downward trend. And then, of course, we'll be getting right into the fantasy football playoffs. We'll be getting into the matchups you need to know, all the news, all the relevant things going on around the league, and ensure that you have the best chance to win that championship. Stay tuned. We have a very special episode ahead. Welcome back. It's been forever since we've done this, isn't it, Brandon? At least a few months. I think since it's August. It's been too long, Jake. Too long. We are back. The Fantasy Fallout podcast is better than ever, and we will be giving you all of the knowledge that you've been craving over these past few months. Really weird season this year. A lot of injuries, especially at the running back position. Was there really a lot of breakout guys, guys that like had that overwhelming point, point total? I mean, we're going to talk about one of them a little bit later in our boom bus, but not really that historic fantasy season that you usually see out of one player each year. Yeah, that's right. And not a lot of, uh, you know, crazy performances from rookies either, where we get a lot of the breakouts. And the rookies this year were fine, for sure. Nobody was, uh, you know, instantly among the NFL's elite. Elite, not, not that I can think of. Chase was for the first few weeks, but he's kind of regressed a little bit since. Uh, yeah, he's up and down. He could finish among the elite by the end. He finishes with some strong weeks. He's definitely going to be a guy to target next year. So before we even get into like our boom busts for the season, our guys that are trending, uh, regressing, and then obviously the news about the Rams, the Browns, uh, all these players, and then the playoffs, how we do? How do we do on the season? Did we do good? Um, are we talking all our teams or are we talking our joint team? Let's, let's, let's run through them, uh, all our teams and our joint teams. I think our joint team, though, deserves a little special mention. Okay. First. Nope. Yeah, so our joint team, um, probably, probably not considered to be thriving. We are in second to last place uh, with 1,691 points, a full 500 points off the lead. Yeah. That's, that's horrible. That's so yep, sad. The team did not do well. I think yeah. a lot of that was injuries. We lost all of our running backs at one point. Uh, you want to do a deep dive into the joint team now, or you want to hold off a little bit? Let's let's dive into it a little now. So let's go player by player. Uh, we'll start with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was a QB one on the season. Wait, I pulled up the uh, the original draft board. Why don't we go uh, in draft order? I think that's an interesting way to go. It'll show that might that. be even better. I didn't know that you were able to do that. And you have the draft board? I have the draft board. So our first pick of the draft, number three overall, a spot we were thrilled to get, was Alvin Kamara. And I think that pick hit for sure. I think, it's a I, think I think Kamara hit. Kamara was definitely good. Obviously, he had that uh, phantom hamstring injury that not only sunk this team, but also sunk uh, another team, which I'll talk about later. 
but he when he was, was healthy, he was definitely an RB1. He was the RB12 on the season, the RB4 in points per game. I mean, that's not necessarily living up to the number three overall pick, but it's not a bust. And, uh, you know, at certain points of the draft, that, that's a win. Maybe not a number three, but I'm happy with it overall. When he was in there, he was good. And keep in mind, he missed four games. He missed Tennessee, Philadelphia, Buffalo, and Dallas. And he still ended up the RB12, RB13. So definitely, that's not that's a lower-end RB1. Obviously not what you're going for at number three, but if he was healthy, he would be a top-five guy. No doubt about it. Yeah, number four points per game. He missed some easy matchups, too. Could have been, could have been much, much better. Hopefully for the future, they load manage him a little bit better. And some inconsistent quarterback play there, too. I think once they figure out what they want to do, next year it'll be easier to project Kamara for like a stable role. So that could be good, too. That could be. Number two pick, this was the, um, let's see, the 21st pick of the draft. We had Justin Jefferson. The oh, wide six off the board. Wide receiver two. Wide receiver two in fantasy. 20 points per game. Wide receiver four in points per game. Number two overall. Absolute win. The target share was there. Kirk Cousins stayed good. The defense stayed bad. It hit just like we thought it would. Yeah, Justin Jefferson, he's a lock and loaded as a wide receiver one. Uh, he's yeah. going to be there for quite a while. He, he's great. He went after Hopkins and Ridley in the second round and right before Metcalf. So he's the only second round wide receiver to hit. Wow. That's pretty great for us. Well, we'll talk a little bit about what happened with Ridley a little later on. Uh, it was actually quite unfortunate. Uh, best to him. Uh, but for fantasy, he was a complete bust after six weeks. Maybe less. Yeah. Third round pick, I think, was Clyde Edwards aware. That is correct. Um, and this, this represents a string of picks, three, four, five, six, and seven, that all could be considered bad picks. So this is, this is where we did our worst, this middle of the draft part here. And I think you could argue that it's, but it's the hardest to draft. Yes. Uh, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire, combination of injuries and ineffectiveness, and the role wasn't as big as we thought it was. The offense wasn't as good as we thought it would be. He kind of missed in every single area possible. That being said, when he was healthy, he was at like the very low end of his projection as opposed to the higher end. Like as opposed to just totally busting. He wasn't unusable. He was just, you know, the, the worst case scenario for him. Yeah. He, he averaged around 12.6 fantasy points, uh, 43rd running back. He missed uh, one, two, three, four, five. He missed five weeks. Uh, and then obviously he was hurt in that Buffalo game. So we can call it closer to six. Um, definitely, um, he he's going to go down the draft board next year. Could be some value, however... What's to stop the Chiefs from taking another running back? We don't know. So he's a guy to monitor. And uh, 
seems like next year is really going to be if he's healthy on the last year he really has. Yeah, I think he's going to be an interesting, like, fourth or fifth round pick, maybe fifth or sixth round pick. Could still be on a great offense. That offensive line could get better. I could fall. I could see myself falling for Fred Edward Delaire again, potentially. I could see me going for him one more time. Yeah. Then um, I think the next pick was Miles Sanders. Hold up, just real quick. He went right after DeAndre Swift. So he couldn't have had Swift. He went right for David Montgomery, who produced a pretty similar season to him right before J.K. Dobbins, who busted, right before Daryl Henderson in the middle of the fourth round. So we could have had Daryl Henderson, would have been a little better, but not, you know, a world breaker himself. So we didn't miss out on too much value at, at the time, yep. which is good for us. No, uh, that's our- definitely the running back position was terrible this year. Yeah. Our fourth round pick was Julio Jones. It was Julio, uh, not Miles. That was Julio. Looks pretty brutal. He was Julio the wide was receiver 20 off the board. He's probably like the wide receiver 70 on the year. Wide receiver 93. 93, yeah. 93. Um, wasn't good when healthy and wasn't healthy. The Titans did not make any effort to force feed him the ball. Um, they didn't really make any effort to force feed A.J. Brown the ball until Julio was out either. Just a weird year for the Titans. Their record is great. Their passing offense is bad. Their rushing offense is better without Derrick Henry than it was with him. Just a strange season for them. Yeah. He could be useful in the playoffs. He does have Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, San Francisco. So at least for the first round, he could definitely be a guy that's useful. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I was looking ahead. He has Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and Miami. So... Apologies to that. He doesn't have Jacksonville. Those of you who were getting a little excited, he has two not great matchups and then a pretty okay one in Miami, but he's, I don't think he's going to be a guy that makes a huge impact. Uh, he, he seems like what Michael Thomas was last year. And we are going to get into Michael Thomas. I believe this team drafted him at some point. Yes. So just transitioning. So we took Julio wide receiver 20 right before Deontay Johnson which would have been amazing. Tyler Lockett, uh, who was okay. And T. Higgins, who did pretty pretty well of late after a slow start. So That's brutal. interesting guys right after him, all better than him. Right before Julio, DJ Moore, Jamar Chase, Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup, obviously all better. Uh, maybe, maybe DJ Moore, you know, could have been a more dangerous player for your fantasy team because you're probably still starting him even when he's doing poorly whereas with julio jones you probably moved on to somebody else so in that sense it could have been nice to have julio but definitely worse overall yes um but after julio jones we had miles sanders third pick of the fifth round right after josh jacobs right before listen to this list of running backs travis Etienne, trey sermon Miles Gaskin, Chase Edmonds, and Mike Davis, all also in the fifth round. I would say of those running backs, and this is the reason why the fifth round is really called the running back dead zone, you could say Miles Sanders was 
perhaps the second best one. I mean, Gaskins was an every week starter. He was like a what? He was like a running back tip. But outside, but Gaskin, yeah. Gaskin had four bust weeks to start the year. You probably didn't get a lot of those great weeks because you were, you know, putting him on your bench already. Yeah. So Miles Sanders could have been, you know, the best of those options, even with injuries and, you know, a benching while being productive, you know, being in a big committee. The, this fifth round is among the best examples ever of why you shouldn't draft running backs in the fifth round because you're scraping yeah. the bottom of the barrel. I mean, some of these guys like Trey Sermon were reaches in the fifth round, but definitely scary territory here. Weird season for Miles. Nobody really thought he would lose his job as much as he did. And when he was playing, he was so productive, but a couple of tiny injuries kept moving him in and out of the lineup. Just a weird season for him. He also has, guess how many touchdowns he has? Uh, how many, Jake? Zero. Zero. Yeah, that's pretty horrible. Obviously, I mean, there, there'll be some regression next year. I think people will wind up drafting him at about this spot, right in the fifth round again, just hoping that he becomes the best part of the committee, um, especially with Jordan Howard and Boston Scott not under contract. And that uh, seems about right. Yeah. So people could be ready to do this again. Um, and their upside is still there. I still understand it. Like if, if Miles Sanders is playing now in week 15, you know, you're starting him, which you can't say about most of these guys. So not a total bust, but definitely hit the very low end of his projection. And uh, what's more encouraging is that Nick Sirianni's really dedicated towards the run. Ever since that game in Detroit, I believe the Eagles have been the number one running offense in the league. So that could carry over next year. Yep, yep. I think Sirianni's realized where the strength of the team lies. Um, and I could even see the Eagles drafting another running back to try to make a sort of Chubb hunt situation with Sanders and maybe a bigger back. Um, but yeah, that's cool. He did fine. Our next pick did not do fine. Uh, just transitioning. Listen to this list of bust wide receivers in a row. In the sixth round, it started with Ayuk, then Odell, then Jerry Judy, then Chase Claypool, then Cortland Sutton then Michael Thomas, our pick, then Kenny Galladay. So that was a bunch of wide receivers, seven in a row, all who I think you would say disappointed on the season. You can definitely say they would all disappoint. Uh, Michael Thomas played zero games. Uh, I don't know how you can bring yourself to draft him next year unless he's fully healthy and he's really out there playing. He, he might be, his career might be over. We don't know. <laughs> This year, you know, we thought he would come back week six, week seven after a bye week, after spending his minimum amount of time on the pup list, because he was already getting ready to go. You know, he wasn't sitting on his couch at home. He was working out. And then he just never came back, partly because of, you know, fighting with the team. Maybe he is still hurt. I'm kind of skeptical. But... You know, we were thinking that we'd be, we'd be surviving for most of the year and then getting a wide receiver one, low wide receiver one, high wide receiver two for the back half of the year, and that just never came. And next year, you know, if he doesn't 
if he's in any sort of lockout, he's undraftable. But if he's back, you know, playing in preseason games, he's probably – where would you take him, Jake? That's tough. Uh, that group of that whole group of wide receivers has just been disappointing. Claypool, obviously, with the antics at the end of the Thursday night game where he was not contributing towards the team's success, he was celebrating a first down in a crunch time situation where they needed to get the ball. He might slowly phase out of the offense. Brandon Ayuk's the one guy on that list, though, who he he was putrid to start the year he was in the doghouse he wasn't getting anything as of late he's been putting up pretty good weeks and I think you can go into the playoffs given the 49ers matchups relying on Ayuk as a low-end wide receiver to high-end flex with upside Odell uh, depending on what happens with him could have value as well Uh, we're going to talk more about him later because he is probably out this week with COVID, which could spell worse news for Cooper Cup owners, uh, who we're also going to talk about later. Um, But I would draft Michael Thomas, if he's healthy, playing in the preseason, probably the around where we have him now, round six, round seven. I We don't know if he's going to be Mr. Slant wide. We don't know if he's going to be catching 120 balls a year. We don't even know who the state quarterback is going to be. But he's clearly, when healthy, one of the top two options on that offense, and that has to count for something. Yep. We were taking a, a definitely was a big swing here. And I think the thought was that if most of our early picks hit, it really wouldn't matter if we missed on this pick, um, but we just missed on those three through five picks from a health and role standpoint, uh, which made this six round miss kind of a backbreaker. And then we went again and we missed in the seventh round, Jake, with Robbie Anderson. Oh, no. Um, He was drafted immediately before Devonta Smith. No. But right after Devonta Smith was Michael Pittman and Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel has been awesome this year for fantasy. He was an injury prone guy. And you're seeing, and you'll see, I'm starting with Debo because I'm actively avoiding talking about Robbie Anderson. Uh, And Debo (laughs) was awesome. They're transitioning him to a running back role, which could hurt him down the stretch in the playoffs. But Let's assume the Niners are a little healthier next year. He could be he could be a guy that's productive. He, he, he's he's a guy who you're going to take in like the third or the fourth round. Sort oh, of like what he would do go, this year. I think he's going to be a second round pick. You think Debo is going to be a second round pick? I don't know about that. I think so. Uh, I've done some early mocks of next year's drafts. I think. 10 of the top 12 picks are going to be running back. So it's going to be very running back heavy. I think there's the wide receiver five on the year overall wide receiver three in points per game. He's young. Uh, I think maybe if people are worried about Trey Lance, he'll slip to the third round, but if people are excited about Trey Lance, it's hard to imagine him falling you know, to the third round where we saw a lot of guys this year, like 
CD Lamb. We saw Robert Woods in the third round this year. I think everybody likes Steve next year more than Woods this year. So we'll see. We'll see. But he was pretty, pretty remarkable. He might have earned himself a two-three turn. Let's talk about Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson, unlike most of the guys, he was a bust, but he was frustrating in the sense that he had games where he would absolutely get like a monster target share. Uh, he's had games of 11, 11, 12 targets. He's had to deal with Sam Darnold, a quarterback, PJ Walker, a quarterback, and Cam Newton, a quarterback. He's, he hasn't, he did not have the torrent touchdown pace he had last year. He could, he could be a guy next year where you could expect him to have a bounce back depending on the quarterback situation in Carolina. However, I'm not holding my breath for that. And I'm not going to be the guy to draft Robbie Anderson. Yeah. He's one of those names that you look at now and it's just like kind of gross. Like, even even if there weren't better options on the waiver wire, like you don't want to see Robbie Anderson on your roster, so you might just drop him. Just kind of a very disappointing year. I think uh, you know, sometimes we overthink a little bit of this stuff, and, and it just was like Panthers quarterback is bad. He's not going to be able to support two wide receivers. End of discussion. And the quarterback was even worse than we thought. So, you know, if, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick is on the Panthers next year, then he is an interesting option in, like, the 10th round. But otherwise, you know, kind of a stay away. The only thing that's keeping him relevant is that he signed that long-term deal. Uh, So he's going to be there. He's going to be the wide receiver, too, especially with Terrace Marshall kind of busting a little bit. So he has a stable role for next year, but definitely kind of uh, gross. Gross right now. Trust Matt Rule at this point. Um, I think it's hard to blame him with with the bad quarterback play. Um, but next year feels almost like a make or break sort of year. The defense is better. They're gonna get JC Horn back. The defense will be good if McCaffrey stays healthy and the quarterback's not terrible. He has to, you know, win eight games or he's gone. Um, and that's where it's, like, scary for Matt Rule. Like, do you go and sign a veteran like Brian Fitzpatrick or, you know, Jameis Winston or something like that and put that pressure on yourself to win eight or nine games and make the playoffs? Or do you go draft a rookie and hope that because you drafted a rookie, it doesn't matter how many games you win, try to really build something. But I don't know if Matt Rule has enough equity to survive, you know, a five-win season from Kenny Pickett or a two-win season from Malik Willis. I don't know. I don't think so. So he's in a very, very tough spot right now. And I could definitely see them uh, kind of mortgaging the future for Deshaun Watson or throwing the biggest contract ever at Aaron Rodgers in hopes of providing some stability there so Matt Rule gets a fair shake. Absolutely. Let's let's go on the next player. And I'm thinking after round 10, maybe we just say like one word to describe the players. Since yep, after round right. 10, they really weren't contributing much. So we got Jalen Hurts next. Jalen uh, was fabulous. Yep. Consistent. You know, ran the ball for us effectively, passed just enough. That's what we were hoping for. Uh, where he's he's been in a tiny bit 
of a slump recently when they've really started to amp up the run game. But he's still the quarterback six on the year. He missed the game against the Jets, too. Right, that would have been helpful for sure. Uh, That's a big win for us. That's our first hit since the second round. Um, So if you're going to miss, you know, picks three through seven, you're not making the playoffs. Hit a lot of late. You're not going to make the playoffs unless you hit a lot of late round picks. And our late round picks, you know, just didn't fall our way, is what I'd say. Our next pick was Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones, I remember we were having this discussion on draft night. Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette. We figured one of them would break out. Right. We were right. One team, we took Ronald Jones. That was his team. We were right about the Bucks offense breaking out for sure. Bucks run offense specifically, but we just picked the wrong guy. If Leonard Fournette got hurt week one and Ronald Jones had the Leonard Fournette role all season, I'm relatively confident that the production would be similar, but it didn't follow away. So That's the type of, you know, makeup pick we need to hit to make up for those missed earlier picks, but we didn't get it. Uh, round 10, Hunter Henry. It's okay. He's okay. He was serviceable. We didn't take a tight end until, you know, late in the 10th round. Uh, so that's fine production for that spot. You know, it hurts a little bit more because because Gronk was the next tight end taken. Um, yeah, Gronk was, we didn't expect Gronk to be that good. But after, after Gronk, it was Kmet, Everett, Jarwin, Engram, Hooper, Ferkser, Kirk, Ertz, Howard, Hurst, Ali Cox, Uzoma. So all of those guys busted. Um, and so- a guy who was undrafted that we ended up picking up on this team, who's the Titan eight on the year, Dawson Knox. Yeah, Dawson Knox, we did not get on the draft, but that was certainly nice to have later on. And um, Dawson Knox next year definitely pushing into that tight end conversation. Could be very good value for teams that end up drafting tight end later. All right, after round right. 10, what do we got? Uh, we'll just do a couple quick words on these guys. We took Trevor Lawrence and round 11 as quarterback 14. Big time bust. Looking at the quarterbacks taken afterwards, though, not a ton of production besides Kirk Cousins at quarterback 20 and Derek Carr at quarterback 26. So we took an upside guy, I guess. Um, the upside didn't hit. 14 is not bad. Trevor was fine. Trevor was pretty awful, Jake. Where did he finish? Probably quarterback 25. Um, quarterback... 26. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, but it's fine. You know, these are late round flyers. I think the upside's there. Rookie quarterbacks did not work out this year. Just need um, to get rid of Urban Meyer. Yeah, he'll be fine next year. He'll be, he, this year, he was the quarterback 14 drafted. Next year, he'll be the quarterback 26 drafted, and he'll produce like the quarterback 14. Um, then we took Brian Edwards. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's up with the Raiders. You know, how can they not produce? Sustain a single wide receiver. They can. His name is Hunter Renfro. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. A sim, but you know, no outside guys. Carr doesn't throw it downfield. He only throws it to people that are wide open. Edwards isn't a separator. He's a point of attack guy. Uh, it's just not the right quarterback for Edwards. I'd hold him. Renfro is the AFC's version of Cooper Cup. It's my yeah. Team. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy what he's doing. 
he's a wide receiver one. Um, Brian Edwards, you know, we took a Raiders receiver because one of them had to be good, and uh, it was Hunter Renfro. I think the moral of this draft is we're, we're right. Like our takes are right. Like, Oh, it has to be, someone has to break out. I mean, that is right. We had Ronald Jones versus Leonard Fournette on this team. We took Ronald Jones on my FFPC team that made the playoffs. I took Leonard Fournette, Brian Edwards or Hunter Renfro. We took Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro is the guy. So maybe we draft the opposite of what we're thinking and we'll make the playoffs for sure. (laughs) Yeah, like I think we might have, I mean, in the case of, of Fournette versus Ronald Jones, we took the cheaper option, um, but not, you know, not that much cheaper. Leonard Fournette was the running back 33. Ronald Jones was the running back 36. So we kind of just missed out there. It's tough to say who we would have taken at the time if both were available. Um, but yeah, these 50-50 options, you know, they're league winners uh, if you hit the right ones. And that's the right way to draft as opposed to taking safe guys, you know, that are barely going to produce and will give you, you know, low end running back three stats. You don't want those. You want the upside. Yeah, and the only when you way, take upside, you uh, take downside as well. Part of the game. The only way you're taking a safe guy is if you're in your first two to three picks. That's when right. you have to take safe. Right. And we took upside late. I don't, I don't regret the strategy at all. And I'll just blitz through these last picks. Round 13, Jared Cook. We needed another tight end. He was okay for a couple weeks, but he wasn't bad. We, ne- we never expected him to do very much. Round 14, we took an upside shot at Amon Ross St. Brown. He's come He's on recently. Looked He's good. Amon Ross looked good as of late. We're going to talk taken about a while, later. but he was he's trending in the right direction. Round 15, Taysom Hill. We hoped he would get the starting job sooner. As soon as he got the starting job, he was good, really good. Um, but he just didn't get the job when we needed him to make a difference for our team earlier in the year. But with Jalen Hurts, it didn't matter so much anyway for the outcome. There's some sort of crazy stat with Jason Hill in fantasy. I think it goes uh, every week that he's been a starter, he's put up QB1 numbers. Yeah, he's, he's great when he plays, and we knew that. He just didn't get the job. Um, round 16, Marlon Mack. Basically, uh, if Jonathan Taylor is hurt, this guy's an RB1. He never got hurt. Marlon Mack was a healthy scratch every week. Uh, round 17, Jameis Winston trying to lock up the Saints quarterback room. Saints didn't pass at all the first few weeks of the year. This became a bust pick very quickly. Um, then we have round 18, Rashad Penny. He's come on late. Um, it's just, you know, his injury timeline, unfortunately, matched up with Chris Carson's for a while, never giving him the opportunity to take that lead role until now. When Carson got hurt and Alex Collins got hurt and Travis Homer got hurt and DJ Dallas, you know, kind of fizzled out. Now Rashad Penny's finally able to be productive and he had a great week last week against Houston, his first of his career. Um, and then 1920 Giants defense. Okay. And Daniel Carlson was a very good kicker pick. We kind of nailed that one. We, we nailed the uh, One thing we don't miss on this podcast is our kicker rankings. All okay. right. Uh, overall, uh, of all of our teams drafted in FFPC, we've had one make the playoffs. That's my personal team. It's got a pretty rough, it's got a pretty hard matchup next week. I think it can win it. Uh, not going to go into that, but I am starting Brandon Ayuk and Amin Ra, guys we will talk about later. 
but let's get right into booms and busts on the season. And um, let's start with a guy no one saw, Corderell Patterson. Uh, just for some numbers, I think if we're counting Corderell Patterson as a running back, which you should, he's the running back because of scarcity. You should count him as running back because of scarcity there. He's the running back eight on the season overall. No injuries for Cordero Patterson. Uh, points per game basis, running back 10 overall. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, like over 30 years old, just an impossible story. I know they're making that movie about Kurt Warner coming from the Arena Football League to the NFL. Uh, this might be even more remarkable, Cordero Patterson from, you know, bus territory for 10 years. So low end running back one as a running back, you know, grinding for a bad offense, still scoring touchdowns every week. Just, just kind of remarkable. It's kind of crazy. And the only reason he really could be such a boom is because Calvin Ridley was such a bust. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. Calvin Ridley has not played since like week six. He is out due to mental health reasons completely unexpected obviously it's the right choice for him it's the right choice for his feeling as players we have to respect that but from a fantasy perspective he's busted yeah he wasn't great either before he got hurt he was just good maybe not even good maybe just okay um looking forward to next year i think it's fair to assume that he'll come back so the dynasty value is there but matt ryan is incapable of supporting pass catching options in a run-first offense at this point in his career. Arthur Smith brought over the Tennessee offense. Uh, Cordero Patterson is more like Derrick Henry, but Matt Ryan cannot support any receivers there at this time. So, you know, probably going to have a quarterback upgrade next year if they draft somebody like Kenny Pickett, who can start right away. But if they draft Desmond Ritter or Malik Willis, or Matt Corral, you know, it, it could be time to worry about Calvin Ridley um, having too bad of a quarterback to support him. He might be a fifth-round pick or later. That's He could be value there, definitely. And he's still a guy that can put up over a 1,000 yards. He's shown he can play without Julio. Uh, he's going to be interesting next year, but obviously we're going to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Uh why the overall fantasy football player number one, Cooper Cup, with 375 PPR points. That's a very low number, 375. We'll, mostly, we'll see a few players hit over 400. I know last year we had like, I think we had like three or four running backs get over 400 by themselves. Uh this is this is what can happen when you have a bad fantasy year when not a lot of people are either healthy or just not producing or something happens. Uh, and this is not to discount Cooper Cup at all. He's been awesome. But you will have someone scoring 375 fantasy points being the overall player, number one, and they're not even a quarterback. Uh, 335, Jake, right? 330? I thought it was 375. Either, either number is very low. I mean, so it's it's here's some some questions. So Kyler Murray last year was right around Cooper Cup through that same number of games. 
Kyler was hurt too, wasn't but he? Kyler was hurt, you know. So with Kyler, you were getting this big, this big drop off because he was playing while injured. Uh, Cooper Cup, that's not the case. So it is certainly certainly strange. Uh, he's on pace for the number one wide receiver season of all time in a PPR scoring system, uh, passing Jerry Rice. That's pretty fantastic. I mean, not a lot to say. We know he's the smartest guy in the room now from that great clip um, after two games ago, we were describing his touchdown. He is an athlete, can make every catch. He's a genius. He's fast. He has a good quarterback, great coach. The absolute perfect setup for Cooper Cup next year. Jake, is he your wide receiver one off the board? Maybe not off the board. If depends on what happens with the Vikings quarterback situation. If Justin Jefferson has a stable quarterback, I think he has to be my wide receiver one off the board. Why do you say that? Justin Jefferson, he's a sophomore. He put up wide he put he's the wide receiver too. I think he is more physically gifted than Cooper. He's bigger than Cooper. And that's which I think opens up the root tree a little more. And Justin Jefferson's a more focal point of that offense than Cooper Cup is of the Rams because the Rams overall have more talent than the Vikings do. If the Vikings quarterback situation is unsettled or they have to start like Kellen Mond, then I would take Cooper Cup as a wide receiver one. Either way, Cooper Cup is going to be a early second round, late first round pick. He's, I think he's going to be a first round pick. I think he has to be, unless the, you know, unless it's all running backs in the first round. I'm thinking the first round next year will go something like Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Cook Kamara. Then we'll have guys like Chubb. We'll have a guy like Eckler at seven. Uh, Zeke could maybe sneak into the first round. Mixon. Mixon um, will be there, though. Mixon will be there. Javante Williams. Javante Williams is interesting. I don't think he'll be a first-rounder unless he's by himself, and I don't know that he will be by himself. Yeah, that's the assumption at, at this point. But, yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, but Cooper Could, have, could have Fournette sneak in there. Yeah, for sure. Next year um, – there's Odell, you know, Van Jefferson developing, and Robert Woods coming back, and Cam Akers coming back, all potentially joining that supporting cast. You know, the Rams offense could be amazing, could be way better than this year, potentially. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how Cooper Cup can deal with that. You know, he probably won't be the best receiver of all time next year, but he could still wind up being the wide receiver one on the Pretty season. Easy. Yeah. I think um, Najee Harris could be a first-rounder, too. So yeah, a lot of running backs I have going in the first round. Um, wide receivers that busted, we've already talked about Robbie Anderson, but again, uncertainty in the quarterback position. Uh, it seemed at times Sam Darnold wouldn't throw to him because he was the previous Jet. Uh, <laughs> I know that was a little theory going around a little bit, but I think that's honestly true. <laughs> I, and then, I don't know about that. We got, we called this one. We said Kenny Galladay without Matthew Stafford would not be good and that we would avoid drafting him. And that has 100% been the case. 
Kenny Galladay without Stafford, having Daniel Jones throw to him on that future Giants offense has been horrible. And then Kadarius Tony emerged for a couple okay. weeks. Kadarius Tony could be interesting next year. But overall, Kenny Galladay has not – he's done nothing. Yeah. I think for, from, you know, what it comes down to is that good quarterbacks can throw to receivers that are big but covered, and bad quarterbacks can't. So Stafford can throw to Galladay with anyone he's not separating, and Galladay can go make a play. Daniel Jones can't do that. I know we're seeing in, in Cincinnati right now, T. Higgins is a similar situation. Big receiver, doesn't really separate, but he goes up and gets the ball, and Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. So it works out well for T. Higgins. Um, but as long as Daniel Jones is there or Mike Glennon, Kenny Galladay is not going to get accurately thrown passes to him when he's covered in high volume. So he will not be good for fantasy. I think it's about as simple as that. You know, we even saw with Kelvin Benjamin, you know, when Cam Newton's the MVP, Kelvin Benjamin can be good. When Cam Newton has a small shoulder injury and becomes a below average passer, uh, Kelvin Benjamin can't be good. And I think we're seeing it with, you know, Mike Williams, big receiver, doesn't really separate. When Justin Herbert's great, Mike Williams is great. When Justin Herbert's not as great, Mike Williams is far more inconsistent. So and Justin Herbert's big, great. So Mike Williams yeah. has been pretty good. Yeah, these big, these big receivers, they need great quarterback play. Not inconsistent quarterback play. They need great quarterback play. Galladay didn't get it. So it doesn't matter how good he is at his uh sort of dying role in the NFL as somebody who's not an elite route runner. Absolutely. Final guy we're going to talk about, Leonard Fournette. He was the running back between him and Ronald Jones. It was going to be one of them. It was him, and he's been awesome. Absolutely terrific. He could yep. win a league for some Yep, I think this is pretty much exactly what people were hoping for from Clyde Edwards-Alaire, that he would separate himself from the lesser backs in his backfield and he would be part of an amazing offense that scores a lot of touchdowns, and that a lot of those touchdowns would wind up going to him, both in the passing game and in the running game, and he'd get a solid base of PPR work as well. Um, and it didn't happen at all for Allaire, and it did happen for Fournette. Um, and Fournette, you know, if you drafted him in your rookie draft several years ago, you've gone through a bit of a roller coaster, but... He's had a lot of years with high-end production, even without high-end efficiency. And this year, it sort of all came together. Efficiency, production, great season for him. Only took Tom Brady to unlock that. Uh, where are we drafting Fournette next year? Um, if Fournette is there and they don't draft any new running backs, Brady's still there, I think Leonard Fournette is a first-round pick. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the passing game is there. Like, if I had to pick between Fournette and Nixon, Fournette has the passing game. Offenses are similarly good. You know, Fournette's quarterback is a statue that has to check down to the running back all the time. I'm choosing Fournette over Mixon. And Mixon's a first-round pick, too. So, I think he's going to be... I'd say he's at least a second-round pick, depending on what he does in the playoffs. He could absolutely... Consolidate a first-round pick status as well. Yeah, uh, real quick before we go into trending, guys. Uh, 
another running back who's awesome. And this is this was supposed to be in the section where we talked about the news and then the playoff advice. James Robinson lost his job. Because no, Aaron Donald ripped the ball out of his hands. No, because he's a freak. Urban Meyer is just like a lot of the times coaches say things to the media and then do something different and they get praised as like, uh, oh, like he's doing a really good job, you know, keeping everything close to the vest and hiding, you know, his team's intentions. Urban Meyer comes out and says all these glowing things about James Robinson. Like, oh, we can't stop running when you have a great back like James Robinson. And then James Robinson doesn't get any carries and they stop running. I mean, but for Urban Meyer, it's like, what are you doing? Your team is terrible. Just do what's good. Instead of keeping things close to the vest, he's just, you know, acting silly and being inconsistent. Very strange situation. James Robinson's the running back 21 in the year uh, in 12 games. Next year, who knows what's going to happen with him. This year, I, I, hope, I hope he goes to Buffalo. I really do. This year, he's been good for you besides the playoff push where he's, he's lagged. He'd be very interesting in Buffalo. Uh, probably, what do you think it takes to trade for him? Fourth rounder? I was pondering that one. I think it's going to be less. Um, Urban Meyer hates him so much. He drafted Travis Etienne. He's starting Carlos Hyde over him. I mean, come on. James Robinson is probably the best undrafted running back since Terrell Davis. And you're starting Carlos Hyde over him? Yeah. It's tough for sure. Robinson's a real talent. I hope he gets an opportunity. He might get an opportunity in Jacksonville next year with a different coach. Um, Joe Brady to Jacksonville could really unlock I think that'd be very crazy fun things. If James Robinson got maybe McCaffrey's uh, role. I think it's also possible we see the Chiefs or Ravens offensive coordinators finally shift over. Um, to Jacksonville as a head coach. Both of them have some interesting offensive uh, thoughts that could be good for James Robinson as well. Brian Dabble, Bill's offensive coordinator, was at Hot Name last year. If he went to Jacksonville, that'd be interesting for sure. Uh, he doesn't like to run, but maybe it's because he can't in Buffalo. I don't know. Another interesting name could potentially unlock James even further. All right, let's get into the trends. Uh, some guys turning up right now. Uh, we have about six guys we've really focused on. The first is Elijah Moore of the Jets. Normally, yeah. you don't draft Jets. They're, that's a rule. But he's been great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been great. Um, very clearly, incredibly talented. Um, all the wide receivers who were drafted this year in the early in the first round, look like they're going to be good. Jamar Chase is already good. Javante Smith looks like he's better quarterback away from being really good. Kadarius Tony, when he had the opportunity, looked really great. He looks really fast out there for sure. And uh, Elijah Moore rounding that out, you know, probably the best from Pro Football Focus's perspective of all those guys. Great route runner. Good hands, gets wide open all the time. And if Zach Wilson takes any sort of step forward, Elijah Moore will be a wide receiver too at worst next year. 
What are Even if he doesn't take a step forward, Elijah Moore has only had three games where he's seen less than six targets. He's getting volume. He's reliable. And he's just overall what you want to see. Yeah. And Dynasty, would you rather have Elijah Moore or Michael Pittman? Elijah Moore. That's not even a question. Or Deontay Johnson. Elijah Moore reminds me a lot of Deontay Johnson. I'd still take Deontay right now because I trust the Steelers as a franchise more than I trust the Jets. But if the Jets quarterback play ends up being better, which it very well could be, then I'll take Elijah Moore. Um, We'll do two more of these. Elijah Moore Um, or Jalen Waddell? I think Jalen Waddle because Jalen Waddle's the clear-cut wide receiver one in Miami. He's getting ridiculous amount of targets. There's not hmm. I'd see Jalen. Jalen Waddle. He's got a repertoire. His quarterback's better. I could see the uh, Jalen Waddle role kind of being passed off to Elijah Moore when they decide they have to do a lot of short passes with Zach Wilson next year. The last one. Last one, Jake. Uh, no, I have two more good ones. Elijah Moore, DJ Moore. You're making these tough. Uh, Elijah I, Moore, I, like I, don't Elijah Moore. I don't trust Carolina. Give me Elijah Moore. Yeah, I think I like Elijah Moore. You know, DJ Moore's had plenty of opportunity to be good with a bad quarterback. And Elijah Moore is doing it in his rookie year. And last one, Elijah Moore or DK Metcalf. DK has not been very good this year. Not at all. Russell Wilson has started to regress. Russell's – do we think Russell Wilson's even a Seahawk next year? I think that's, you know, maybe a a 65% chance of him being a Seahawk. DK Metcalf is such a physical freak, though, that – he really does remind you of Calvin Johnson. Yeah, I think uh, that the top, 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 top tier ups, like DK Metcalf's more likely to be the wide receiver one, but he's also more likely to be a wide receiver three. Yeah. Elijah if you Moore. want safety, I go with Elijah. If you want the upside, I go DK. Which is crazy to think about. But no, just. All great things about Elijah more recently. The draft community was really into him. So nice. Two other rookie wide receivers. Amon Ross St. Brown. He has had five games with over seven targets. The past two games, he's gotten 12 targets. Now, that's not going to be sustainable, of course. But for the fantasy playoffs, he gets Arizona, Atlanta, and Seattle. And he's going to be some shootouts there. Three yeah. awesome matchups. He's clearly the guy as the wide receiver goes. He's he, even when he had TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift in the lineup weeks four through six, he got at least seven targets in each of those games. He's clearly emerging. Um, he's he's a guy who we were like, he could be someone good. Someone has to catch the ball on Detroit aside from TJ Hawkinson. It, Default could be Amon Ra, and it's looking increasingly like it's Amon Ra. Yep, Amon Ra 
uh, it was weird that he wasn't doing this in the beginning of the year, honestly, but now he's doing exactly what we, we had hoped he could do. Um, and I think the outlook for him is entirely based on uh, what quarterback ends up there. You know, the Brown, the Lions run the ball more than almost any other team. Uh, so if they get a, an efficient quarterback or somebody who throws the ball downfield, the next year he could be very, very draftable. Um, I don't think Jared Goff's long for there. So maybe, you know, if, it's, if Fitzpatrick ends up there, Amon Ra could be a wide receiver too. But if Teddy Bridgewater ends up there, then Amon Ra is a wide receiver four. So we'll see what happens with him. But definitely promising end to his rookie season. He will be more impactful than a lot of these rookies for the fantasy playoffs with his great role. Devonta Smith, another rookie wide receiver we want to talk about. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, the one-two guys, obviously, have been really, really good. So is Devonta Smith. He, he's looked amazing. And if you watch his film, he's wide open all the time. Really, you, the Eagles have not had a wide receiver like this, I think, since Sarah Owens. He, he's awesome. Yeah, it's just um, like a lot – like some of these are NFL breakouts and some of these are fantasy football breakouts. And Devonta Smith is an NFL breakout. Fantasy production, you hope, comes next year. This year, very inconsistent. Yep. But he's clearly a star in the making. Um, all, these, all these young guys are just such talented route runners. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, the, the overall age of NFL wide receivers is going down because the young guys are just so much more talented than the old guys at this point. Two Tar Heel running backs up next, Javonta Williams and Michael Carter. And let's preface this by saying Melvin Gordon has been a running back too. He's been solid throughout the year. He's been really good even for fantasy. But Javonta Williams, when he was alone, wow. Yeah, Javonta Williams is the running back 15 on the year at 13 PPR points per game. Uh, Melvin Gordon is the running back 17 on the year with 13 PPR points per game. I mean, it's been amazing all year how similar those two players have been. Um, both of them have been good, too. You know, a little bit above average offensive line there at best, and they're, they're working with it in a great running offense that can support two guys to RB2 levels. And I think everybody's kind of hoping next year that uh, each of these guys gets an opportunity somewhere else to be a, a running back one. They're clearly, you know, talented enough for that. Michael Carter has been awesome for the Jets as of late. Obviously, he had that injury. Uh, but when he was healthy, he was starting to put it all together the last few weeks. He had really solid performances. And he's a guy next year who he's not – you're not drafting him in the first two rounds. You're not going to have to pay a premium. Could he go in the running back dead zone or is he going to go somewhere like round six, round seven? I think you could argue that, you know, five through seven is that dead zone. Um, I think he's probably going to end up in the fifth round. Um, so, you know, you're going to have to take a, a risk here. Uh, I don't think he's, you know, as dead zone of a running back because a lot of those dead zone running backs, you're talking about guys that, you have questions about their talent, but you like their opportunity, or you have questions about their opportunity. But you like the talent. But you like the talent. I think with Michael Carter, there's a chance that you like the talent and you're okay with the opportunity. 
because he's the only guy getting carries in the backfield. So, you know, if those two things are true, then it's not a dead zone. It, it, it's a good value in the dead zone. You get, you get everything you want. Final guy we have on the list, uh, tight end. Normally tight ends really wishy-washy, but Dallas Goddard could be the next Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle, Waller type. Yeah, I think um, George Kittle these last couple of weeks has locked up um, tight end number one off the board next year. Kelsey. Interestingly, Mark Andrews, I think, is the fantasy football tight end one now. That's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, Kittle has back-to-back weeks after the injury with over 120 yards, over 10 catches, and a touchdown. Uh, it's a vol- like he's the points per game tight end one right now, George Kittle. Then Mark Andrews, then Gronk, then Kelsey. Just a super quiet year for Kelsey. I heard that he only has one end zone target all season. That's insane. Kelsey. Kelsey. And he has three touchdowns on the year, uh, from that, two, two of which are from outside the red zone. Um, this is going into year. our regressions type part of the podcast. You we were talking about Kelsey earlier. Right. I mean, it looks like like Darren Waller is the tight end five on a points per game basis at 12.9. Kelsey is the tight end four at 15.0. You know, that's that's where the drop-off is. Uh, and then we have like a pretty big tight end middle class. You know, Waller at 12.9, there are like 10 tight ends till you get to Goddard at 10.6. But God, it's really turned it on recently without Ertz and with, uh, especially with Minshew. So that's also another interesting thing to watch there. If the Eagles do decide to go in a different direction at quarterback. I think, yeah, I think he was saying uh, the Eagles go in that different direction, then uh, it could be interesting for Goddard. Will they? We don't know. And let's get right into the regressions. Um, First up, we were talking about Travis Kelsey. Let's go on that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, It's kind of just like been a really quiet year. Like he hasn't, he hasn't popped like he usually does. He's still been very productive though. You know, still 15 points a game. That's great. You just, Kind of are expecting, I don't know. Let's see. Last year through week 14, Kelsey was averaging 20.6 points per game. And Darren Waller was averaging 15.8. So Kelsey has kind of fallen all the way down to where Darren Waller was a season ago. Like the gap between he's no longer, or at least this year, he hasn't been the elite tight end one. He's come all the way down to the level of a usual tight end two overall. But in 2019, points per game basis, he was at 15.6, right around where he's at now. And everybody was praising him as, you know. That tight end one. That tight end one. So it's really, I think, more of Kittle and Andrews staying healthy, upping their game at the right time of the season, why they're getting so much attention. And we've seen it from Kelsey before. So if he's not going to get better or maintain like Hall of Fame level play, then uh, he's not going to get discussed as much. 
But next year, you know, still a great pick in the second round, I think. Uh, do you disagree? I think he could go in the first round just because people are afraid of tight ends. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, another guy who's uh, who may not be the number one overall pick in fantasy anymore, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, let's preface this by saying when CMC is healthy, he's putting up 30 points a game. He's a cheat code. He, he gets 10 receptions a game. He gets 100 yards rushing. He'll get a touchdown. He's insane. He hasn't been healthy the past two years out. And I know you hate this strategy personally, but it may have – it might have saved one of my seasons at least. Are you handcuffing Chaba to CMC? Like if you're the CMC guy, are you paying a premium to take Chaba Hubbard off the expectation that CMC will miss three to four games, maybe more. Yeah. So I don't love this strategy generally. Um, I, I think for McCaffrey, it has moved into the realm of possibility, except that um, at right now it looks like Hubbard and Abdullah are kind of splitting a lot of that work when McCaffrey's out uh, as opposed to earlier when it was all Hubbard. Um, and you don't want to handcuff when your handcuff doesn't even have the backfield all to himself. Um, so I would not handcuff McCaffrey with two guys. I think that's a little overkill. Unless you're in like a giant league where it doesn't make a difference to you. Um, but, you know, protecting your number one overall pick, if they have a handcuff that has absolutely no solo value, so you can get him in the 15th round, is not terrible. Uh, not, not, not an awful strategy. It's just not what I usually do, but McCaffrey might necessitate it. So many years of injuries. Uh, it, it's just, two, is it two in a row or three in a row, Jake? It is two in a row and with the legs. Two in a row. Yeah. Jake, if I told you that you could have McCaffrey for three regular season weeks and all of the playoff weeks, Next year, so you get him for six out of uh, out of seventeen fantasy weeks, but all the playoff weeks. Where would you draft him? That's me personally. I don't know that I would, but if would I know him? I'm getting him for the playoffs. I'd probably take him in the second round. Wow. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if I could take him that high given that situation, but I think, you know, at worst, he's a fourth-round pick. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be drafting running back, running back and running back, so that way I'll have two starters while he's out. Right. But if I can get 30 points per game out of one player in the playoffs, sign me up. Yeah. I know. It's kind of crazy. So, like, you know, next year he's going to play half the games probably at least. Um, those could be in the playoffs. I think the Panthers will probably be appreciably better next year as well. Uh, defense is looking great there. So maybe, you know, they'll be less cautious bringing McCaffrey back from these injuries. It seems like they usually let him rest a lot after them because they will not be making the playoffs. So maybe next year they will be. Uh, but I, I guess it's also worth saying that Cam is – if Cam is there, then, you know, some touchdowns go away from McCaffrey. That, that hurts too. All right. 
Next two guys we talked about, uh, Chase Claypool, um, he's immature. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I want to do this now. I'm a big Chase Claypool defender from his uh, celebratory incident. I really don't think what he did was, was that bad. Um, but on, from a fantasy perspective, he's been weird. Uh, ben Roethlisberger cannot support him because he is kind of like Kenny Galladay, uh, you know, down the field passes, like giving him a chance to make a big play or like bullet passes over the middle of the field. Ben can't throw the bullet passes. The down the field passes are okay, but they're just so inconsistent. So you've got a lot of stat lines, like two catches for 50 yards or, and then the, the best you can hope for is like three for 80 and a touchdown. Um, he had one nice week last week, but just, you know, he had a fumble. He had the celebration thing. He's one of those classic wide receiver personalities at this point. Um, I think he is a kind of boring seventh round pick next year. What do you think? I think he's around that seven, eight round pick too. He could be, he could have upside, but I'm predicting this to those quarterbacks be Mason Rudolph. The Steelers are smart enough of a franchise where they won't draft a quarterback this year because the class is not super good. Uh They'll stick with Rudolph for a year. They'll tank a little bit. They'll, they'll get a good pick in 2023, and then they'll get their quarterback. Where uh, do you take? So Juju signs elsewhere. Aaron Rodgers signs with the Steelers. Where do you draft Chase Claypool? Fifth round. I think he might be in the fourth round, which would be crazy. But awesome for him, I guess. Yeah, but yes. that'd be fun to watch. Clyde. Yeah. Um... We said fifth round for next year or so if everything breaks his way. Yeah, he's got one more chance. He's, you know, on a good offense, he put in a couple of touchdowns last week. If he ends the year putting in a couple of touchdowns on low efficiency every week, then he has a chance to keep his job, I guess. Uh, kind of feels like the end of the first round running back Rashad Penny was taken there. Alaire was taken there. That might not be a great place to take running backs. Um, yeah, unless you're getting Barry Sanders. I think he's exempt. Taylor was in the second round. Yeah, I don't know. End of the first round seems, seems like a low hit rate there for, for these type of guys. Najee was the first round running back. He's hit though, so no, maybe he, he wasn't. You know, I'm talking about the last five picks of the first round. All right, all right, yeah, that makes sense. Um, final guy, and then we'll get right into the news and then playoff advice. Baker Mayfield, he's regressed. There, the Browns are going to keep him on the fifth year option. I don't think they really have much of a choice. I mean, franchise history aside, I the quarterback plus they're not in a position to grab a guy. Um. Yeah, I think Baker playing hurt has actually bought him more time than he might have otherwise gotten because now they'll bring him back to see what he's like when he's healthy. Maybe they'll give him some competition, though, Jake. Do you think they could sign Teddy Bridgewater as a backup or like Mariota as a backup, somebody who can kind of push Mayfield more than Case Keenum can? I think if they were to get him competition, they draft the rookie. They could, but I don't – I mean, like a third – I don't know. If a third like round a second or a third round guy. But 
if they were to sign a free agent, I'd say Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I think Bridgewater is interesting there because he kind of provides the same floor as Baker, maybe even a little higher of a floor. Um, he won't impact the run game, which is really what makes that offense go. Yeah. Now, if I were the Browns, I would either give Baker the one year or I would sign Fitzpatrick, but I, I would absolutely not lock up Baker unless he was willing to accept like three years, $55 million or something like that, which you yeah. don't really see from NFL quarterbacks. All right. Let's get right into the news. Um, the Rams and the Browns both dealing with COVID outbreaks. I have a list here of the Browns players that are currently out due to COVID and, and coaches. Kevin Stefanski is out. Running back coach Ryan Corderell is out. Baker Mayfield is out. Jarvis Landry is out. JoJo Natson is out. Austin Hooper is out. David Njoku is out. Ross Travis is out. Jadrick Wills is out. Wyatt Teller is out. Drew Forbes is out. That's just on offense. Defense, Tack McKinley. Adifidi Oganibo, Malik Madonna, Anthony Walker, Troy Hill, John Johnson, Nate Metters, and then punter Jamie Gillen is out. And in addition, Kareem Hunt is out due to an injury. Wow. That's that 20 is- people on their team. Yeah. Um, not a lot. Not, not a lot of confidence in the Browns with Case Keenum. Uh, who are they playing this week, Jake? They're playing the Raiders, so you know they're going to see a lot of Nick Chubb. Yeah, who I don't think will be in protocol because he already had COVID this season. Is uh, David Njoku playing? David Njoku has COVID. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so I guess it's just the Donovan and Peoples Jones show. Uh, it's really the Nick Chubb, and uh, it's really just the Nick Chubb show. It could be uh, a Mac Jones three pass attempt situation for Case Keenum, but oh, that would Johnny be a dream Jones come true. Is a very very usable uh, player. I use I started him last week in the league. He was pretty good. He's very talented. He's a kind of juiced up guy. And when he's all by himself, you know, Case Keenum will have no choice but to throw to him sometimes. So definitely, uh, definitely like that. Um, Nick Chubb's a smash play. The Raiders are bad. So could be an ugly game. But Could Nick Chubb get 40 carries in a game? I don't think Stefanski would do that. Um, but he Too does. bad Stefanski has COVID and he might be out. So... Oh, I, I don't know. I feel like these coaches can probably do a lot of the coaching with COVID via Zoom. And then the Rams, uh, Odell Beckham, uh, Jalen Ramsey, Tyler Higby was out on the COVID list. He's back now. He had a fat, false positive. But really, the nightmare for fantasy owners is if overall fantasy points leader Cooper Cup has a positive test. Yeah, I mean, with Odell, Odell's like curse. You know, he breaks out potentially first time in like years where people are like really optimistic and confident about him for fantasy. And then he gets COVID right after. 
Um, so that's pretty brutal. Uh, Cooper Cup. There's no word yet about him having COVID. No word about him having COVID yet. If he does have COVID, then that is terrible. If he doesn't have COVID, I believe the Seahawks will double, maybe even triple cover him. Yeah. Um, I, I think Van Jefferson's pretty good, too. Uh, so we've got that going on. He's definitely very, very playable without Odell. Um, against Seattle, you know, usually Seattle – LA games have a lot of offense, so everybody's still usable. It's hard. I don't really understand how it's possible that, you know, Cooper Cup and Odell aren't close contacts. I, uh, I would imagine that's why I'm expecting a news alert later this week saying Cup is on the COVID list. We all saw the uh, Odell Beckham Van Jefferson touchdown celebration. Um, where Odell was also caught hugging. DeAndre Hopkins as well. He's a close contact. Yeah, so, like, I don't understand why these guys aren't out yet, but I don't know the definition of close contact perfectly. I think the NFL definition is a little different, too. We'll see. Could be huge for fantasy purposes. Um, And with that out of the way, let's get right into the playoffs. Um. This is the time of the year where you need to be at your best, right? Of course. So I'm going to name a player, and I'm going to ask you if you think they're startable in the playoffs. And we're going to start with a guy who's on my one playoff team, and this is not me asking for help because I am going to start him. Uh, Antonio Gibson. He oh, yeah. He's, was he's phenomenal three out of the fast four weeks. Then he fumbled once and he was taken out of the game last week. Yeah, fumbles. Um, that's that's unfortunate for a guy who's been like, you know, just kind of coming around, like finally becoming a little efficient, finally getting a little healthy. Um, what's going on with JD McKissick, Jake? I think JD is still out with a chance to come back this week. Yeah. Yeah. Gibson is, uh, you know, just under four yards to carry this year. Um, so, you know, great running backs can fumble. Good running backs probably shouldn't. Uh, but, but I think you're still firing up Antonio Gibson against the Eagles. Could be a low-scoring game that keeps him uh, involved throughout. So. I think you play him as like a, a low confidence running back too. All right. Let's get into the next guy. This is a player who I think could be really interesting and has been really interesting down the stretch. We'll go with another running back, Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Uh, he's been coming on a little bit as of late. Um, can you rely on him in the playoffs? Um, so another exciting little tidbit is that the Raiders and Browns get to play on Saturday. So Josh Jacobs, uh, notoriously underutilized on Saturdays at Alabama now gets to play an NFL game on a Saturday, uh, could be a little looking to pop, looking to pop for the Saturday audience. Uh, Browns is a pretty, pretty tough matchup. 
Josh Jacobs is is very unpredictable. Some weeks he has no passing game work, and then some games he gets totally stuffed in the run game, and then he gets eight receptions. So, you hard to hard to know how you're going to get the points. Browns is a pretty brutal matchup, but I still think you can fire him up as a middle to high running back too. What do you think? I think that he's a guy who can be reliable. Uh, I feel as though that he is coming on a little bit as well. You can rely on him a little bit more in the pass game. Uh, is Kenyon Drake coming back soon? I don't think so. So then I would I would fire him up. Yeah, that's fair. Chase, let's talk about Chase. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he's going to do it on a potentially smaller target share than you'd like some weeks because of the other options in that offense. Um, but and, and traveling to Denver certainly isn't the best spot for him. But I still think you're starting him. Uh, you know, last week he was great. And the week before, he would have been great if he didn't drop that touchdown. So he could be trending in the right direction here. I think you're still starting him uh, with wide receiver one upside. All right. Um, I think I, I may have one more guy. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I have one for you, Jake. All right. Jeff Wilson, Jr. What are you doing? If Elijah Mitchell's out. Elijah Mitchell is out? If he's out. If Elijah Mitchell is out, I think Jeff Wilson, Jr. could be a risky flex play. But... Given that Debo Samuel, as of late, has been utilized more as a running back than as a wide receiver, the only three guys I trust on San Francisco's offense would be Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens um, to Ayuk when Debo is a wide receiver again and the running game is working. Um, but for now, you know, he's hot. He's talented. Go ahead and start him. Uh, breaking news, Jake, to end the show. DeAndre Hopkins, doubtful with a knee injury. Which wow. of these pass-catching options in Arizona do you like now um, with an easy matchup against Detroit coming up? Can I say none of them? Uh, none of them. Wow. I, I think they. I think I like Christian Kirk as a potentially playable option. I think I, think, I like Zach Ertz the most. I think AJ Green could be a very startable guy. Zach Ertz or whoever's catching the football out of the backfield. I also don't think the Cardinals are going to be throwing a lot. I think they're going to be running since they're. I, I, we can safely assume they're going to be ahead. So, I think I think Zach Ertz might be the guy. It's possible. Who knows? A lot of upside for um, those guys as flex plays now, for sure. All right, and um, one last thought. Okay. 
if Cooper Cup were to be out, what would you, who would you start? Tyler Higby, or Van, Van Jefferson, or perhaps Tutu Atwell? Um, yeah, I think it's still Van Jefferson. You know, I think you can be counted on for more volume than Tyler Higby and more high-value targets down the field. Um, and, you know, so many targets get freed up with Cooper Cup out. So I'd rank that Van Jefferson, you know, then Tyler Higby. Uh, and Tutu Atwell is a deep threat type. Uh, not a lot of NFL production, of course. I don't think you can play Tutu Atwell unless you're in like an 18-team league with a couple flexes, even under these circumstances. All right, awesome. And with that, let's wrap up this very special episode of the Fantasy Fallout podcast. Had a lot of fun this year. We'll be back next season better than ever. We may do even more. So look forward to that. Good luck, everybody, in the playoffs. And we hope you get those championships. Peace out.